It's Thursday. Today is Thursday. I've brought you the greatest gift of all. Oh, yeah? Well, in that case... Entertain me! It's showtime. Make use of the help that God puts around you. We are not a glum lot. A promise is a promise. It's very simple. Just don't drink and go to meetings. Give time, time. Easy does it. I do it. Want to have self-esteem? Just do esteemable things. One day at a time. We carry the message, not the alcoholic. Don't quit before the miracle happens. Hello? Hi, can you hear me? Hey, can you hear me? I can hear you wonderfully. I've got little earbuds. I'm going to try my earbuds today. Earbuds? Nice. Like the movie. I don't know what that means. Oh, no, you're thinking of the dog. Airbud. Airbuds. Ear. Earbuds. Monumental classic that changed cinema forever. Airbuds. I really like said. that. I really like that that dog movie, Snow Patrol. Snow Patrol. <laughs> Paw Patrol. <laughs> That's that. That actually that could be true. So, uh, yeah, I think I think this is this is fitting. Everybody that's um, that's listening right now. I think I, we're going to start with that guy. My favorite, episode. my favorite. Paw oh, Patrol. we're recording right now. <laughs> I think, I think it's worthwhile. My so. favorite Paw Patrol is Marshall. <laughs> Marshall. Yeah. He's so like, everybody, everybody that's listening right now is like they, they sound really far away. Well, we took the six foot distance and we multiplied it by a couple. Yeah, um, we're all in our mobile studios. Yeah, we're we're out of the uh, the studio, so we're missing a lot of things that are usually in there. Still, the Christmas decorations, some of which are still up. It's the uh, it's the year-round Christmas ficus. It brings joy to our hearts. I'm next to my talking Yoda. What else are we missing? We're also missing uh, Pick, our, our Pixie our the chef, unicorn, our, our chef, chef that makes the frittatas, Herman the cat. Yeah, Herman the cat. We're missing missing a lot of that. Um, but we did want to continue to record. So we're in our mobile studios, uh, in our, in our homes away from each other. So that way we don't, uh, we don't get sick, but we did want to continue to bring new content and, uh, and thank everybody as well. That's following on Twitter, Dennis, um, you know, has anybody been reaching out that you've been responding to on there? Um, we got a couple of, uh, good jobs, keep up the good work and stuff couple of people have reached out just you know saying hi and greetings and stuff nothing nothing too serious or anything but. yeah so in our meeting uh since last time we talked uh has now gone all virtual so if you're yeah. listening to this your meetings have also gone virtual the funny thing is do you guys see a boom in zoom because it seems like now everybody's talking about how easy it is in the recovery world to, to just do that. Yeah, that seems to be the new hot topic of, like, everyone's going to Zoom to do their meetings. Like, it used to be Skype and stuff, and now it seems to be Zoom. It's interesting. Yeah, if I may, um, you know, I, I've been on, I think, three or four days in a row on Zoom meetings. Um, we started our celebrate the morning Zoom meeting, and uh, you know, right away it's been a, a big hit. We've had thirty plus people each day, and um, the cool thing is, um, we reached out to all of the home members because we had a list, and so we've got people uh, from Ireland, from the UK, 
um, Jazz was wow. on there. We had so many people on there, and and we had we got so many uh, just kind words today. Like, this is amazing. Like, now we have to do this. You know, uh, Carolyn actually said we should do this twice a week, <laughs> but maybe like you know once every two weeks. You know, just to reach out to all the snowbirds and stuff. Um, it was really cool to see everybody, even though they were all over the world, and even though they're home members. And uh, it was just really, really good. It's a, it's a good. Event. Now, is is there a way that people that are listening can be a part of it? Is there an invite that's needed? How does that work? Um, I, we haven't worked that all out yet. Um, we, okay. we took a vote, and right now it's just home members, so we're not okay. But we do have a lot of information about. Um, meetings in new york um all over the place that are open to everybody um so yeah i can, if, uh, I can if put listener, all that information on twitter yeah and if listeners like google zoom aa meetings or go on facebook there's facebook groups set up around them and stuff like that so they're relatively easy to find and there's like hundreds of them all over that you can join if you just search zoom aa meetings or na meetings awesome so that's a couple ways to do it. Well, let's uh, let's jump in and officially uh, start this podcast, which is episode 31 with an effective character. Three guys sitting around talking about our personal experience in recovery. Hey, I'm Mike. I'm Dennis. James here. The opinions are our own. We don't represent any particular organization, institution or fellowship today. We'll be sharing our experience with the promises in this episode 31 of the Defective Characters podcast. Let's go. So this is where we normally do a funny intro or, or like this, joking this around, is, but we already we did can that. Still, we could still do it. Here's the thing is the the realness of the situation that we're in. There's a, I don't know about you guys, but there's a lot of people that have reached out that are having a difficult time with isolation. Yeah. And those crazy thoughts are in their head. Some friends that are actually romanticizing a drink. And the realness of the situation that we're in um, with so much negativity, the promises, I think, as far as in the program, are the most positive. You know, that's that's gratitude come yeah. true. Yeah. And it's so we, we could still have fun with it for sure. You know, this is just a little bit of a light spot to try to take with you wherever you can. Woohoo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh so, so Dennis, the uh, the promises, and I don't think I realized. I knew that there was, you know, more than ten, but I don't think I realized that there were twelve promises. Yeah. Um, that the the big book kind of sets out, and I asked you if you would uh, to pull them up and maybe re- recite one by one, and we'll actually talk about if uh, you guys want to share on a experience that you had with a promise coming true. Okay. Okay. Um, you want me to just read them one by one, not the whole thing? What? Do you, yeah. What do you guys think? What? What? Uh, what works best for you? I say, let me read the whole little thing, and then we'll we'll break it down one by one. Let's do it. All right. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity, and we will know peace. 
No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity would disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? Heck yeah, that? they are. <laughs> they are <laughs> being right. filled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They were always materialized if we work for them. Work, 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 quack, quack. Like All right. Stuck. Let's start at number one. We will be in, oh, no, no. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. That's number two. What? We will be amazed as <laughs> a promise? We'll be amazed yeah, before I, we're halfway through. Yes. I think okay. so. I think, okay. I think that's number one. <laughs> so I stay corrected. When they're saying halfway through, do they, what do they mean by that? Like, how do you guys take that? Halfway through? Um, I'll take this one, Mike. Yeah, go ahead, James. Uh, well, when I was a young a young lad in AA trying to get this thing. I, I didn't know what the promises were and I didn't, I thought it, they meant halfway through the steps. So I was like, okay, but it, it turns out it's halfway through the ninth step. And we all know that the, the ninth step is uh, making amends to people. And um, once you start to, um, you know, clean your side of the street, once I started to clean my side of the street and, you know, I truly, said sorry um and was you know giving my all to make it right even if people didn't want to hear it you know i was on my way to freedom because i didn't have that stuff weighing me down anymore so that's what i thought it was and that's what i found out it it was now who were you making amends to when you were amazed do you remember when you were halfway through making those amends and maybe something that stuck out that actually made you be like holy cow like this is this is truly amazing uh, well one of them was my uh, my sister um, I had borrowed a, a lot of money from her uh, my, she's my she's my baby sister and uh, you know I just borrowed it in my addiction and I, I didn't even try to pay her back for years so I, I went down or went up to Omaha and I was making amends to my parents which which went very well um, and then I gave her the money that I owed her and it wasn't until I was on the plane and I was going through my, my bag she had taken all the money I had given her and she put it back in my bag and I, I was just amazed. Like she really had no hard feelings and she gave it back to me because she knew that I was, you know, struggling right now. And I was like, wow, you know, that was just, that was God working, you know, pretty cool stuff. It is. It is cool. There was uh, I think that one in particular, I, like I'm grateful, just like step one on the steps of knowing that you have to do that a hundred percent. You know, I feel like also making amends, you have to for the best to the best of your ability. And then the promises do come true. I made an amends to my father-in-law, who was also my employer. And when I did, I kid you not, a rainy day sitting in the parking lot of a 
uh, a funeral home that we had just on accident showed up early to for the death of a uh, another employee's mother that passed away. I had 30 minutes alone in the car with him and I made the amends and said, I'm so sorry for the, the verbal abuse that mm-hmm. I caused your daughter and, uh, you know, how unfair I was. And the skies opened up. And it's one of those things that, yeah, it could have been a coincidence, but I look at coincidences now as God working uh, to be anonymous, you know, and choosing to be anonymous in somebody's life. So I know, uh, you know, it is an amazing thing, the, the life that we get just by putting the work in, you know, and this program that I think was actually my higher power that actually put it together through Bill W. and Dr. Bob. Uh, the skies it, actually opened up and it this, stopped raining. The skies opened up and it stopped raining. Oh, that's great. Um, I love it. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's one of those things. It's, uh, you know, they always say like a lot of times uh, when a funeral happens or a wake or any of that stuff, you know, it's quite often it, feel, it feels like at least for me, at least half the time that I've been to them, it's been a rainy day. You know, and the uh, the timing of it was surreal because it was just a couple minutes after I made the immense and we were done talking and we changed topics that that happened. Um, so I, I'm gr- grateful for that. Um, Dennis, any uh, any take on, on I guess, uh, promise one or promise um, two even? For me, I think the closest thing to amazement would have been like i don't know i feel like amazement's a a strong word but i definitely understand it because i've seen other people talk about like their amends and stuff and and definitely have these moments of like amazement but the closest thing to amazement for me i guess was doing my family where you know i was quote unquote the bad kid you know one of the black sheeps of the family and so like I had very strained relationships with, especially like my dad and stuff and a little bit with my mom and and siblings and stuff. We fought all growing up and stuff. So I always carry this like, you know, this guilt and this shame with that. And so whenever I went and did my amends, especially with like my parents, I figured you know, I thought, you know, I was a little scared and nervous or whatever, but I, I thought that it was going to be more in depth in the sense that like, I would tell them I'm sorry. And then they would tell me what I did wrong and like, what's messed up about it or what, you know what I'm saying? But when I apologized to them, you know, when my, I think I did my mom first and my mom, you know, I apologized, like, you know, I'm sorry for like, all the things I did growing up and, you know, all of this stuff. And she's like, Oh, you weren't that bad of a kid, you know, or you weren't that bad, you know? And, and it just (laughs) dawned on me that like, you know, I'm carrying all this weight and stuff like that. And my mom doesn't even have that same perspective of me that I have of me or that I thought that they had, you know, and then, you know, it was pretty much the same with my dad who I thought would be the worst. And even my siblings, like I did, I apologized uh, or did my amends with my brother and he kind of laughed at me and my sisters said, no, you know, you're doing a good job. Like, you know, and so 
I think that was the most amazing. It's like this image that we hold in our head of who we are and the wrong that we've done and the people we've affected. Like, we think that they have this perspective of us too, but it turns out that they gave us a long time ago without us realizing that. And I guess that, that is kind of amazing, you know? Yeah, I, I would say absolutely. And it kind of... You're amazing. You are amazing. We, we it all. Oh, it thanks. Uh, you amazing too. So, uh, <laughs> oh, a new freedom and a new happiness. Anything that stand out in particular, guys? Um, I well, I think the obvious one is is the freedom from that obsession of the mind of alcoholism or drug addiction. You know, those cravings. Agreed. I think that's the most prominent one you know that like sticks out where before we could like me personally i couldn't go a day or even an hour without thinking of like smoking pot or taking a pill or drinking or some kind of like chemical or whatever and to be free of that is is amazing and then also as far as the happiness part it's like all the happiness before recovery was kind of an artificial happiness. I was only happy if, you know, I was artificially stimulating my mind to be happy with a chemical or alcohol or something, or because I was getting exactly what I wanted at that moment, where now the happiness turns to, you know, I can be happy for other people, other people getting good things or becoming successful. I can be happy of just with a peace of mind you know and and it's it's just a it is completely a different type of happiness but it's fuller it's more real in a way here here yeah um i agree with dennis on that you know i was a prisoner um in my own mind in my own addiction i i would wake up and you know all i could think about was what did i have to do today in order to get something in my body to get me out of this this fear this restlessness and that went on you know for over a couple decades so when i uh, had my spiritual experience and i could really truly experience this world really for the first time um it is a new freedom that i had never known before well let's let me go step back i have known this kind of freedom when I was a child and my parents took care of everything for me and I could just run around and be happy and free. I feel like that now when I put, you know, my higher power first and have the, the obsession to drink and to drug has, has been lifted and it truly is a miracle. So when they say, you know, don't quit before the miracle happens, it's truly when you have uh, your mind has been altered and you live by faith and it's it's it, it takes time but we just just do the steps to the best of your ability and don't leave anything out i i think the the new freedom and the uh the new happiness uh for me is to know that i can go anywhere and there's no boundaries and i i guess those are still up in the air i know that i can go to a wedding um and be happy i know that i can have uh, very scary things happen to me 
and I don't need a, a drink or a drug. And I know that great things can happen to me and I don't need to celebrate uh, using it. And I think the more things that come into play, the more things that you know that, you know, um, you can really take on anything. And it's it's just the life that, uh, that you have today that I think a lot of us never thought that we would be able to have, you know. So I have a lot of grateful uh, gratitude for that. Um, how about not regretting the past or uh, nor wish to shut the door on it? Are you guys able to do that at this point in your sobriety? Well, there's a, there's a couple of things uh, I think about when um, that comes up, you know, obviously like I regret, you know, when I was um, mean to my child, when I was drunk or, you know, stole from someone, I regret those things internally. But what I, I don't regret is the path that I took to get to where I am now. And that meant doing all these things and finding my absolute bottom that I can be reborn into this new life where I can actually take my experiences and help other people with them. One of the best parts about being an alcoholic is our primary purpose, which is helping other alcoholics. And the, the way that the book describes it is you connect with those alcoholics by personal experiences. You, you let them know that you've been there. You've been at this bottom and you know what they're going through and you can show them the way out. If they take your hand and they follow the steps with you, it's really quite remarkable. So in a sense, yeah, little things I regret on a, a personal level, but on the whole, I wouldn't change anything to where I'm at now. Yeah, I think like if you, similar to what James said in, a, in, in the sense that if I, if I dwell too long on the past, and like pick out these little things and replay them in my head, you know, there's definitely things that I would do differently now if put in the same situation. And there are some things I'd probably make the same mistake again if put in the same situation to be, com to be completely honest. But, you know, it's, it's, I can look at it and, and, in a sense, not regret it. Like, obviously I don't want to make the same mistakes that I did. I don't want to hurt people the way that I did in certain situations and stuff like that. But kind of like what James says is, is that the path that I took and the things that I did like has brought me to where I am now. You know, if, if, I wouldn't have done some of these things. It wouldn't have been that like lightning bolt that struck that changed the course of my life. You know, some of the worst situations that I was in and, and some of the bad stuff that I did kind of woke me up to like my actions affecting other people in a way. So it steered me to the way to the, you know, to the right way to like not do that again as a lesson to learn from it and stuff like that. So it's like, I can't really regret it. I can't sit here and like beat myself up over it because ultimately those things led me to here to where now I give more than I take and I help more than I damage, you know, and that's, and, you know, I think when we're young and dumb and, you know, we we're ignorant about 
who we are. We're very self-centered and all we're thinking about is us and not looking at our, our place and our effect on the entire world. We're bound to make mistakes, you know, like when we go through our rebellious teenager years and stuff, it's like what kid, you know, probably more than half of the kids in the world have stolen something from a store. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're bad people. We've just made mistakes. But if we learn from those mistakes and we grow from them and try not our best not to repeat those mistakes again, then we're more on the side of good than on um, just being bad people. And I think, you know, I'm one of those people that like I learn by like doing things like I can read in a book about how to fix a car engine and I'm never going to grasp it. But if I, if I go out there with someone else and like we take a car engine apart and, and try to put it back together, I'm going to learn. And it's kind of like that within life is like, people can tell me like, Oh, you shouldn't do this because of this or whatever. I'm not going to believe them. I have to go out there and make those mistakes myself. But so in doing that, I ultimately learn and grow and, you know, it's the hard way, obviously, to like live that way. But so I can't like where I am now, I can't go back and beat myself up and look at everything and be like, oh, I wish I didn't do that. I wish I didn't do that because who knows where I would be right this moment if I didn't make those mistakes or I didn't do those. things. Yeah, I, I think nicely, nicely said, guys. Uh, promise for we will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. I was um, the first time, the first prayer I probably said in a very long time was when I came into the rooms, which was the serenity prayer. Because the first meeting that I went to, we held hands at the end of it. Yeah, back in the day where you would actually hold hands with somebody else. And you would say the serenity prayer. And that prayer got me out of a lot of trouble. Because anytime that I feel like I was getting stressed out, I would say the serenity prayer. I would hit my knees. Um, and it's pretty amazing that just taking time and, and kind of like a mini meditation is what the serenity prayer turned into. Um, did not act on a action and made me actually uh, before I acted, you know, that, that little bit. What is, what is the fourth promise mean to you guys? I've always been um, just – I go, 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 go. I can't sit still for nothing. And um, one of the wonderful things that happened to me um, this last time around was I, I got a sponsor, Brian, and he pretty much in our second meeting gave me the lowdown of how to meditate. And um, he said, this is like the bread and butter of, of your program. You need to do this every morning. He taught me how to do it, when to do it. And he gave me very specific instructions. And that has been absolutely wonderful for me. Um, the serenity I feel today is unlike I've ever felt. Um, one, I don't have a lot of uh, baggage and guilt and fear. Uh, so I can just think about what's going on in the present moment. And a lot of that helps because when feelings or thoughts come up that aren't always um, to my liking, I can, I can just be quiet and I can have peace and let those thoughts 
uh, just fade away into the distance instead of reacting to them. Um, that's something new that I've, that I've done. And it helps me to meditate in the morning and I can uh, practice that a lot easier. So if I say I wake up and I, I just pray and I go along through my day, have a cup of coffee, I can react uh, a little quicker than I would if I meditate. So that's very important to me. Um, and the, the serenity goes hand in hand with the meditation, I think. Uh, it's, it's one of the steps, guys. So if you're not meditating, um, you're not really doing a full program. So for me, it's, it's vital. Awesome, Dennis. This one, I think, took a little while for me because like how much like fear and anxiety that I had coming into the rooms you know my underlining base like emotion whenever I was sitting and nothing was going on and you know just the calmest I could be and just you know in that spot is my underlying emotion was fear and it was just this, always this underlining anxiety that I had and so like first year of recovery even like probably most of the second year of recovery I never had like a true moment of serenity even when I knew mentally that everything was okay and everything was right where it's supposed to be and I'm where I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing I still didn't find peace in that I didn't find serenity it was like I don't know maybe the first true serenity was probably somewhere mid last year, the end of last year to where, you know, I could like all of it, you know, I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain, but it basically, I came to a point to where I realized I had this like awakening and realized that I didn't have any anxiety at that moment and that I hadn't had anxiety for for a while you know like definitely they hadn't had a panic attack in a long while hadn't had like true physical like visible anxiety for a while but that little underlying feeling had changed and unfortunately or fortunately depending on how you look at it it that underlining feeling turned to more of a depression, more of a sadness or whatever. But in between those moments of, you know, depression and whenever I would sit, like I would get these moments where I had like true serenity, where everything truly I felt, not only in my mind where I could comprehend it, but I felt it in my soul or my spirit that I really felt like everything was okay. And, you know, I think that's probably, that was probably like, you know, two years into recovery, two and a half years into recovery before I really had just a moment. And it was a quiet moment. It was a subtle moment to where it was just all of a sudden I realized like everything's cool. I'm not sad. I'm not anxious. I'm not whatever. And going into this new this new year of 2020, even with everything going on in the world, uh, my year has been really weird. I think I've shared a little bit about it or whatever with a lot of ups and a lot of downs and stuff. But it's really surprising to me that like I haven't 
had anxiety for the most part at all this year, just little tiny moments that last minutes rather than like years or hours or anything like that. And even coming in like the last few weeks or so where I started a job and, and working and stuff and been like busy, like the depression has really subsided. So I have a lot more moments of, of being serene, you know? So it's not like for me personally, my like thing is not all of a sudden I did the steps and everything became perfect and serene and, and I was just at peace with the world and myself and everyone around me. It, it took years, but it, it, it's happened. And I feel like going forward with the rest of this year and, and stuff like that, that it's only going to get more, more real, more solid on a more solid foundation as I go forward, as long as I keep working a program and keep doing what I'm doing and keep growing and moving forward. Now, that's not to say that, like, just because I've, I've come to comprehend what serenity and peace is and that, like, I know it's possible in me where before I didn't doesn't mean that it's every day. You know, I like yesterday I was very unpeaceful. I was very irritated at at James, you know, for whatever reason. We don't have to get into it or whatever. But. And I was really like at ease or on ease or dis-ease, whatever, very like pissy and angry or whatever, just annoyed. And so like these moments come up, but in recognizing that and working a program and applying them to those situations, you know, we got through it. James apologized to me, which is nice. Thank you, James. And then we've moved past that. So like, you know, this morning I had moments of peace and today I have relative peace. You know, I'm not worried. I'm not depressed. I'm not whatever. It's and just I, think it's, I think it's working through and it I, too, I, you know, like if you feel a certain way, knowing that um, everyone's allowed, you know, to have feelings and you have to work through it and the program kind of tells you uh, the, the feelings that are real and the feelings that aren't, you know, like a lot of the feelings were, I don't know about you guys, but just were not valid before I came into the program. It was it was that everyone's out to get me and it takes the fellowship and uh, some honesty to actually be able to put that together, you know, to have that serenity, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Yeah, I think it takes work. You know, we're not all of a sudden like buddha or zen masters or jesus you know what i'm saying it, it takes effort I mean, it takes working through like you said those emotions and not holding on to them to be able to let learn to let go and like james said be in the now and if you're able to do that like let go of the baggage and just be where you are and be grateful for everything that is around you is that I think that sweet spot in the center is yeah I, I think that. this is one of the most uh, powerful episodes promise yeah. five no matter how far down the scale we've gone we'll see how our experience can benefit others if I can uh, take that first my uh, first sponsor and I when we were going through the steps I was kind of surprised though that's just I guess what it was where once you did your fifth step you were able to tell your story in a meeting 
and you could, uh, you know, so you could have a 60 minute meeting. Usually the first, you know, 10 is saying the steps and the traditions and maybe reading a piece in the book. And then you'd have 30 minutes. And then the next 20 would be people uh, identifying similar to how we do, um, you know, our, our stories here. And I was amazed that I didn't think I had anything to offer anybody. And once I did my fifth step and told my story, the amount of hands that just shot up at the meeting where people said, yeah, that was me. When you said that, that took me back to this moment. And I didn't think that there was anything that I had any that anybody wanted anything I had. And there was somebody in the meeting that just had two days sober and they thanked me afterwards and they, they were amazed that I was able to, at that point, have six months, you know, or, or five months. It was, it was somewhere in there where I'm like, yeah, like going back in time, you, yeah, like five months is crazy. You know, that is a crazy amount of time to stack up. Um, and yeah. so that's when I first saw that maybe I did have something to offer and, and I almost owed it to this other person that I just met to keep going. So that way I can continue to learn things and maybe share in the meeting. So that's when I first, uh, first realized that James, when, when did you realize that you had something you could share other people? Yeah, I, I just touched on this, um, my last share. And I want to say that, um, you know, for over a decade, as I tried to get sober, I, one of my biggest fears was talking in front of a group of people and telling them um, my my story. And ultimately, I do believe that I would end up because one of the meetings I went to in Miami was like, OK, after you get 90 days, you can tell us how you you got sober. I think I would like literally go back and start drinking so I would never get 90 days so I wouldn't have to go and talk in front of people. And, and this cycle went on for a while um, until I finally, you know, went out for six years until I destroyed my life pretty much. And, um, you know, part of uh, my story is like having this, this spiritual experience and, and learning from all my mistakes and being able to rebuild my life, which has been amazing. Um, one of my, um, my, service commitments was um, chairing a meeting and I've had um, people come up to me after I chaired the meeting just by um, sharing the meeting I would have like my first one he came up to me and you know he asked me to be a sponsor and he's like I really liked what you said and I could relate and um, and you know it's just by those little things because whenever I share at a meeting or chair a meeting I always um, I always keep my what happened to me or what it was like, you know, uh, what happened and what it was like now. And I try to short form it. And I also try to keep it in the present moment, like um, what's going on with me now. So by intertwining all those different elements, you know, I can usually form uh, a cohesive share. And I, more often than not, I, I get someone to come up to me and talk to me. The first time I told my story, was at a rehab center and um you know i these guys that were there were pretty much out of it but there was like those two people that would raise their hand and be like wow you know 
I really got a lot out of that. Um, and then the second time I shared was at um, my poolside meeting. And it was amazing after I shared, like, just the hands that shot up. And, like, three of the people just all told me the same thing. When I went from my story of what it was like and then my spiritual experiences, when I told them, like, my encounter with God, they said my whole aura just changed. And I, I just lit up. And, the, and they could feel the energy in the room when I started talking about what happened to me and how I, I wow. changed. So that was just really cool to hear people talk. Yeah, that was yeah. just amazing. I, w- I was actually there that day. I was sitting right next to you. I think we sh- we double shared that day, but it was it was not only powerful what you were saying, like it, you like you could visibly see you change, like your shoulders got straighter, you sat up more, you glowed a little bit, you like it was a really powerful like story for sure. Uh, thanks, Dennis. Thanks. You got anything You're welcome. on uh, on Promise Five? Yeah, I think, like, you know, I'll, I'll just put it this way and try to make it quick. Imagine that you spent your whole life digging a hole, right? And you've dug that hole so deep that it's starting to fill up with water and you're starting to drown and you can't even see the top of the hole anymore. And it's dark and then you're drowning and it's just freaking miserable. And now all of a sudden you decide you want to stop digging that hole and you want to get back out of that hole. Right. So at the top of the hole, you're going to have a, a several different people. You know, there's going to be people that have seen other people dig those holes and will tell you how the hole works, uh, you know, why you're in a hole or whatever. Then you have some people who are going to look at you down in that hole and chastise you for digging the hole in the first place and you shouldn't have been down there. Then you're going to have people who think they know what the about the hole or whatever but they've never dug dug that hole before and they're gonna like sit there and try to tell you how to get out of that hole but they don't understand it so you know their information is not going to get you out of that hole then you're going to find those rare few people who have actually dug that hole before and have been in the exact same spot that you are and somehow by an act of God or a miracle or whatever has been able to get out of that hole. And those people are the ones that will come down into that hole and take you by the hand and show you exactly how they got out of that hole and got back on land and started to learn never to dig those holes again. And I think that's where we are. You know what I'm saying? With our alcoholism and our drug addiction and stuff like that, we've been down to the depths of hell. And by a grace of God, we have been able to find a way to get back out using the 12 steps, using the fellowship, using every all the tools that we have. And like James said, our primary purpose is to help another suffering alcoholic. And that's what it is, is we because of our experience of going, digging those holes and being able to come back out of it, we now jump down in holes and help other people come back out of it. And that's like the best way that I can describe it. You know, no matter what we did in our past, all those mistakes we did, all the guilt, shame, regrets, all of that situations and mistakes and learning that we've done is 
for this primary purpose. We can use everything that we've done to find, to help other people who are in, have done the same things and, and see no way out of that. Yeah. And I think there's a reason that promise five is followed up by promise six. They, they're kind of tied together, especially with the share that you just did, the feeling of uselessness and self pity will disappear. Um, you know, a little bit of, um, the self-pity that you were talking about earlier, Dennis, of, you know, feeling so bad. And when you made an amends, you know, your parents were like, you really weren't that bad, you know, and it being like, really, you know, and I think that's the initial reaction until you do have that experience of realizing that maybe something that you went through, maybe, you know, whether it's your anxiety, uh, Dennis, uh, that you had, or maybe James, um, you going through the program, uh, you know, times before the latest that, you know, as, as you talk on actually like getting it, you know, when you had that spiritual awakening, if you will, like those things are so important. And I know for me, uh, I'm grateful that when I came in my story that now includes me moving with in sobriety from one state to another that anyone that I encounter that's like, Oh, you know, I'm going to have to, uh, you know, my work is making me move to another state. What am I going to do? I have the experience that, well, you got to jump right in and you have to raise your hand, you know, in Vermont, I, I would very rarely share in meetings. I would just sit there and, you know, the majority of meetings that I'm in, I try to claim my seat, even if it's just the 60 second share or if it's stepping up and reading uh, the steps, the promises, uh, the third step prayer in the beginning of the meeting. I, I like to have some sort of a uh, point of inclusion, you know, so that way I feel feel a part of. So I thank you guys for uh for letting me uh, feel that way. Do you guys have a, a take? I'll chime in. Uh, I'll keep it simple. I think, um, again, as long with me personally, the, the self-pity and uselessness, it, it came with time. You know, it took time to do that. Where like, And I still have moments of it. But I think once we find our our primary purpose and we and we find purpose in our life and put purpose in our life with our relationships and our work and and helping other people that uselessness goes away the self-pity of the like oh why is this happening to me or why am i like this all of that kind of it, for me it took time it took rewriting that track record and one of my favorite slogans which your your sponsor has is said a lot and we've mentioned it a lot on this is if you want self-esteem do esteemable things and to me that is the most profound thing so if i focus on doing esteemable things and helping other people and get outside of myself it gives me a sense of purpose but it also gets me out of myself enough that i'm not focused on myself enough to pity myself absolutely hey james so uh, pr- promise six, which is a feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. Do you have a take on that? Yes, it has disappeared. Thanks, James. 
<laughs> Thanks, James. That's so profound. Uh, I do appreciate you guys. And, and what I would like to do while we're in our mobile Wait, studios, I wasn't done. I feel like... Oh, you had more? <laughs> I pity the fool. That pities I pity himself. the fool. No, I don't... No, no, I, it has disappeared. And <laughs> I think Dennis touched on it. It's, I, I just try to get out of myself on a daily basis. Um, and when I'm helping someone else, I'm not useless. You know, it's just, it's, it's basic um, fundamentals here. When you're helping someone else, you're helpful. And the self-pity disappears when you're, when you get rid of all the baggage. Um, I used to be self-pitiful. Um, why me? I never had enough. Uh, everyone had more than me. Even when I got the coolest, newest toy, it was good for a week, and then I put it down, and it wasn't enough. So that I don't feel like that anymore. In fact, I don't even buy toys unless they're Legos. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> a lie, James. This is an honest program. You buy toys all the time. Uh, <laughs> but the thing I'll say about you, James, though, is like you, you like to buy toys, but you often more times than fun. not buy toys for other people. Which never I think is very sweet. There's never. time. Oh, never Wait. once. <laughs> You're not special, Mike. So, so the the <laughs> cool thing about the promises is there's 12 of them, and we're halfway through. Uh, that was number six, and I do want. Huh? Are I we want, a mate? Yeah, Are I we think a so. so. I want to break this up into to. Uh, two episodes if we can so next week if it's okay with you guys we'll be back sharing our experience strength and hope talking about promises 7 through 12 does that work for episode 32 yes sounds okay. perfect with an effective character it's entirely ready to have all these character defects removed to remember a promise is a promise and we'll see you next time bye have a good day bye bye